Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Southside Online. I'm so glad that you would be a part, make a choice to be a part of this day with us. And um, as we walk through a series that we're calling Grace Has a Name, you see, we sing about amazing grace, we talk about amazing grace, but Jesus was and is amazing grace. And Throughout these several weeks, we just want to look at the names of Jesus that some of them that are found in the gospel story so that we can truly get an understanding of who he is and what he came to do. Because I think it's easy for us to miss the true meaning of the Christmas season. It's rushed, it's busy, it's expensive, all of these different things. It's become so commercialized that it can be easy for us to miss the true meaning. And here, what we want to see is who Jesus is because of his amazing grace. You see, Christmas is neither a discussion nor a debate. Christmas is a person, and it is a person that came and changed the world. And so when we talk about Jesus, the name that Mary and Joseph were told by the angel Gabriel to give to, to, to this young boy who would be the Savior, he said, give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. And then when we get to the Gospel of John, John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the Word was with God. And so we see him as the true Word of God. Last week, Jesus the Christ, not his first and last name, but Jesus the Christ, his title, that represents who he is. He is the anointed one, the Messiah, the one sent from heaven to rescue mankind from their sin. Jesus asking the disciples in in the gospel of Matthew, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Today, back to the gospel of John. And we see Jesus as the lamb of God. The lamb of God. What does that mean and how do we see that today? How do we recognize, what does, that, what, does that, what does that mean for us in the day and age in which we live? Why is that significant? Why is that important? Jesus is simply the Lamb of God who satisfies the demand of God. What kind of demand? What kind of demand was that? We'll get to that in a minute. Jesus is the Lamb of God who satisfies the demand of God because he met the standard of God. In John chapter one, we see the, a, a different John. He's known as John the Baptist. Was he, was he of the Baptist denomination? No, there were no denominations then. He was known as John the Baptizer. John was the one who was communicating a message of repentance because the kingdom of God was upon them. He was a forerunner to the one who would be called the Christ, the Messiah. And on this particular day, John is out there communicating the message of God, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, and he's baptizing people. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus comes. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him to be baptized by him and said, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then John says this, this is the one I've been telling you about. This is the one I've been talking about. After me comes a man who has surpassed me because he existed before me. 
And so John is, is doing these speaking about Jesus in this way. And when I, I hear the term lamb, I think, how can a king be a lamb? Jesus is referenced in the Bible as the lion of the tribe of Judah. How can a lamb and a lion be, be alike? Well, I mean, how can we use the same tide, the same, uh, how can we, the, the different names relate to the same person? There's so, it can be so confusing until you sit down and you begin to see. You begin to see when it becomes a lamb or a sheep, it's such a, it's such an, it's, it's a foolish animal. It doesn't carry any wisdom. It doesn't carry any power. It's meek, it's lowly, it's mild. Why would we give that kind of title to, to the God of all creation, to the Savior of the world, one who we expect to have great power, great authority upon his life? When you look in the scriptures and you see the power of the lamb and what the lamb symbolized, you realize that when Jesus fulfilled the title of the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he wasn't, a, he wasn't just a, a, he wasn't a defeated lamb, he became a warrior lamb that came to change the world. See, through Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, the glory of God has been given a face and that we, a face that we can see. Jesus is God made visible. And today I wanna to talk to you about the power of the lamb because that just seems to not even go together because a lamb is not powerful, but this lamb is. And in order to understand the power of the lamb, we're gonna look at four things today. Number one, being the problem. Because if somebody's coming to fix something, if somebody's coming to take away something that is detrimental to our well-being, there's got to be a reason for it. First, we got to understand there's a problem. Houston, we have a problem. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? Well, it means this in the Greek language. It says we have all missed the mark. We have all missed the target. Picture with me uh, 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 someone holding a bow and arrow, an archer that is in a tournament shooting an arrow at a bullseye, at a target. And you, you, the, the mo whoever hits the bullseye wins the, the tournament wins the prize. And so we are the arrows, the target, the bullseye is the glory of God and the purpose of why we exist. And, and, and we, every time, it doesn't matter how many times we shoot those arrows, they miss the mark every time. They fall short of the mark every single time because of the sin that weighs it down. Where did that come from? That began in the beginning you gotta go all the way back to Genesis to see where it happened, where the problem originated. It originated in perfection. It originated in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, the first man, the first woman, together in paradise, in perfection, were confronted by a serpent, by a snake that talked. Things were just different in the garden, I'm telling you. And, and they were offered something that was forbidden. It was, the, it, was, it was fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. The one thing that God said you couldn't have, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said you can have a, take of anything here except that. Isn't it just like the devil? 
Isn't it just like the devil to focus on the things that we don't need in our life, the things that are gonna hurt us, the things that aren't gonna bring joy and peace and lasting satisfaction, the one thing that God said not to do. He wants us to focus on that instead of all the yeses that God gives us in our life. I promise you, God wants to say yes to you more, so much more than he ever says no. But they focused on it. They saw that it was good and it looked good and it was pleasing to their eyes and they took it. They ate from it. And the problem entered their life. The problem existed. It was there, but it didn't enter them until they took of it. They took a bite of that fruit and they became sinners. Their eyes were open. They realized they were naked. And what happened then is that sin entered their life. We may not like the fact that we live in a broken world today, but we live in a broken world today because of the first man and the first woman taking of something they shouldn't have, and it entered their DNA and therefore came into ours. We all experience the problem. If you're a parent, you understand this because I promise you, there's not one parent that I know that has to teach their child to do wrong. You know why? That comes natural. It is in our DNA. We have it inside of us. We have to teach our children to do right because wrong comes naturally. And so when that happened, when that happened, Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves. They covered themselves to cover their shame, their guilt, but God didn't accept their coverings. Those coverings did not satisfy the demands of a holy God. And so we may not like that. We may not like that, that what we offer a lot of times is not accepted, but God didn't accept their sacrifice. A holy God couldn't accept that. And so in order for, for acceptance to be given again, God had to provide a covering. And so God took animals and he slaughtered them in the garden. He killed the first animals. The Bible says that he made clothing from their skins. He shed the first blood and he took Adam and Eve and he clothed them before he sent them out of perfection and into a broken, sinful world. And so when we see that, when we begin to grab hold of that, this was just a temporary act. It was a temporary covering. And therefore, God established a sacrificial system that mankind could perform on a regular basis that would temporarily hold back the wrath of God. In Exodus chapter 12, we see what is known as the Passover and the Passover was established by God to hold back his judgment that was coming on the nation of Egypt. And so the people of Israel who were slaves at that time, they slaughtered a lamb, each home, each family, and they took the blood of that lamb and they put it over the doorframe of their house so that that night, the spirit of God, as it came through that region, if the spirit of God saw the blood over the doorframes, it would pass over that home so that the firstborn would stay living. Because in Israel, or in Egypt that night, every firstborn child of the Egyptians lost their life. And so we see the, the establishing of a system of sacrifice 
See, the sacrifice is significant. And in order for the sacrifice to cover the sins of all mankind, it had to be more than just an animal. The sacrifice needed to be spotless and it needed to be sinless. It had to be perfect in every way. And we see that come to life in the person of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. In the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews says this, since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come. The Old Testament law was only a shadow of the good things that were coming and not the actual form of those realities. It can never perfect the worshipers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered? What had to happen in the sacrificial system in the Old Testament? A system was set up whereby the high priest that was appointed by God would go into the temple of God and would make a sacrifice from the best offering that they could find a lamb who was spotless and they would take that lamb and he would slaughter that lamb shed blood of that lamb oh and it would cover the sins of a nation on a more regular basis the leaders of the homes would have to also bring a sacrifice and provide that for them and their family when they committed a sin of some kind it was a system of sacrifice that was offered but it was never good enough they had to keep doing it if it was good enough wouldn't they have stopped being offered since the worshipers once purified would no longer have any consciousness of sin He says this, but in the sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Every time you bring a sacrifice, you're just being reminded over and over and over again of the sin that lives inside of us. He says, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away the sins of mankind. See, when it comes to the issue of sin, the only standard that matters is God's perfect holiness. Wouldn't it be great if there was some way, some way that somebody could come and take away the sins of all mankind? Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to go through all of these things over and over again? Why does one little sin separate me from a holy God? It's just like taking antifreeze or arsenic and dropping one little drop or one little teaspoon into a pot of soup. It ruins the entire soup. You can't eat that, it'll kill you. It'll make you sick. You gotta pour the whole thing out. Just a little bit of it'll spoil everything. When it comes to the issue of sin, the only standard that matters is God's perfect holiness. We serve a holy God. He's holy and perfect in every way. But he doesn't remove himself from us so that we can't get to him. No, God made a way for us through the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. We gotta understand the problem. And the problem leads to a penalty. If I had a flag, I would throw it. (laughs) This is it. This is a penalty. The referee's blowing the whistle and saying, I've got a foul on this person right here. The penalty found in Romans chapter five. Therefore, 
Just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through that sin, in this way, death spread to all mankind because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law that was given through Moses, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. He says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a prototype of the coming one. Adam, Adam was a prototype of the one that was coming. Even though Adam sinned, God said there's one coming that will not. And this is what he says. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if by the one man's trespass, Adam's sin, the many died. How much more have the grace of God and the gift of God overflowed to the many by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ? And the gift is not like the one man's sin because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation. But from many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. See, Adam's sin brought condemnation and judgment. The gift of God that brings salvation to all mankind brings justification, just as if I never sinned. Since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more would those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness Reign in life through the one man, Jesus the Christ. I'll say it this way. God has a standard. God has a standard when it comes to his creation. He will accept nothing less than perfection. God has a standard when it comes to his creation. And he will accept nothing less than perfection. We can say, but I'm not perfect. No, you're not, and neither am I. But there was one who came that was. In Romans chapter six, it says, for the penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, sin demands a penalty, and that penalty is death, both physically and and spiritually. When we talk about the power of the lamb, we have to understand first there's a problem. Houston, we got a problem. And that problem exists for everybody. And the problem is separation now from us and God. But God didn't want it to stay that way. He didn't intend for it to be that way. And God didn't have to go back and go, I wonder what we're gonna do now. He understood, he knew all along that he was going to come himself, himself, to offer his life as a sacrifice for everybody so that we can have forgiveness and find life in his name. He's the difference maker. The penalty? The penalty exists for anybody that chooses to reject the gift But God, but God sent his son 
so that you and I could have life in his name. The power of the lamb, the problem, the penalty, the provision. The, the provision, what was provided for you and me on our behalf, Romans 5, for while we were still helpless, while we were still helpless, at the right time, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. Why did it have to happen when it did? Because it was at the right time. I love this part. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Who's gonna give their life for somebody like that? Though for a good person, somebody might actually even dare to die, okay? But this is what we see. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for you and me. The provision of God is extraordinary. See, as the Lamb of God, Jesus fulfills this perfection perfectly. In Hebrews chapter nine, we see this, but the Messiah has appeared, high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. In other words, that is not of this creation. The Messiah came, high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, his body. He entered the most holy place once and for all. He came himself into the holy place, not by the blood of bulls and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained through it eternal forgiveness and redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow, sprinkling those who are defiled or full of sin, can sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more would the blood of the Messiah who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works to serve the living God. How much more? See, Jesus, Jesus hung on the cross, not for his sin, but for ours. He took your place we talk about the power of the lamb we see his provision you gotta understand there's a problem we're all sinners the penalty that comes with that is death both physically and spiritually but the provision offers a gift and the gift is the one who gave his life for you and me. He sacrificed himself as the perfect lamb of God. And when we understand that, we realize that there's a pardon. See, it would be an awful story today if it ended with that. If we just ended it with the, pen, the problem and the penalty without any provision, but even if we just stopped at the provision and said he came to do it, then great, so what? What does that mean for me? I'm still stuck in sin. Nope, there's a pardon. And the pardon is offered from God to us. You know why? Because he's a holy God. He can't skip over his justice. 
the, the, the wrath of God, he can't just get past it. There has to be justice. Sin has to be covered and justice has to be served. But God doesn't want to serve that to us. Instead, he gave himself to serve us so that we don't have to pay that price. The pardon. Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. From what? From God's wrath, judgment, and condemnation. From eternal separation from him. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, right standing with God. And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. See, today, people don't go to hell because they have sinned. No, people go to hell because they have chosen not to receive the life that has been given to them. They reject it. And so, when we see in Ephesians 2, he says, you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. It is not from any works that you can do. We would boast about it. It is all because of Jesus. So our response today to the Lamb of God should be to live right, to live victorious, and to live free. How do we do those things? By simply saying yes to the one who gave his life for us. Us. The Lamb of God doesn't just save you for eternity. He saved you for right now. See, I believe that Jesus today is the one that you have always been waiting on. Today, the gift, the gift comes from a lamb. Not just any lamb, but the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. In order to do that, he had to humble himself. He had to get on a cross. His blood had to be spilled for you and for me so that we could have life in and through his name. If you don't know Jesus today, would you let me pray with you? I would love for you to meet him. I'd love to introduce him to you and for you to have life in his name. Simply pray this with me today. Say, God, I believe in you. And I believe that you sent your son to be my savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, I believe in you. And I ask for you to forgive me for my sin by your grace. Restore me to you. Jesus, be the savior of the Lord of my life. I'm ready to follow you, and I say yes to you today. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that with me, let us know today. Drop us a line in the comments. Follow us on Southside at, 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 at Southside.online. Uh, let us know that you've made this decision today. Let us help you get started with this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Come and be a part of us and what God is doing in our Redstone campus or at our Commerce campus. We would love to see you here. Merry Christmas. I hope you have a wonderful day. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. 
Congratulations, we could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text JESUS, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.